So many investments are trading at all-time record high prices that it's extremely hard to find reasonably valued quality assets right now. But there's one major exception. Gold and silver mining companies have never been so profitable and yet so undervalued. In fact, senior precious metals analyst Jeff Clark says they're not just cheap, they're dirt cheap at today's prices. Where, where are you going to go out and find value right now? Is it in the broad stock market? Well, by any measure, the broad stock market is overvalued. Is it real estate? Is it Bitcoin? Is it whatever? A lot of these things have had huge run-ups. And uh, uh, the only value that's really left out there is gold and silver, and especially the mining equities, like you said, they're, they're undervalued no matter how you compare them to the broad stock markets, to gold and silver themselves, to, to their own indices. Welcome to Wealthion. I'm Adam Taggart, founder of Wealthion, welcoming you back for another week of making sense of money and the markets so that you can make better informed decisions about building your wealth. The precious metals had an excellent two-year run in 2019 and 2020, but they've spent much of 2021 so far in a downward drift, which is puzzling given how many tens of trillions of dollars have been injected into the global system by the world's central banks since the pandemic hit last year. The prices of nearly every other commodity have risen dramatically in response, but why not the precious metals? And even more interesting is that the precious metals mining industry remains one of the extremely few sectors not trading at all-time bubble-level highs, despite being more profitable than ever. In fact, on a relative basis, it's almost never been more undervalued. To help us make sense of this, I'm very grateful Jeff Clark is returning to the program. Jeff is the senior precious metals analyst at goldsilver.com. He's an expert on precious metals mining stocks, and he's also just returned from the Stock Pulse Silver Symposium, which took place last week. And I'm looking forward to what insights he found there. And he very graciously recorded a free short recap of two mining stocks currently at the top of his deep value list. So be sure to stick around at the end of the video to get the direction on how to get that. Jeff, thanks so much for talking with us today. I'm glad to be here, Adam, and share what knowledge I have about the markets with your viewers. Good. Well, I think a lot of our viewers have the same questions that I do. So let's let's jump right in and let's start at a high level here, which is um, we're looking, you know, at the I mentioned the intro that the precious metal prices right now have sort of been stuck in the doldrums. Gold's been going back and forth between about 1750 an ounce, uh, $1,750 an ounce up to $1,950 an ounce. Uh, silver has been sort of trading between $22 an ounce and $28 an ounce this year. And both gold and silver are trading at the very low ends of those ranges right now. Um, so Jeff, why do you think in a year where almost every other commodity uh, has seen tremendous price appreciation that we're really seeing this downward drift in the precious metals? Well, it's obviously a fair question because you're right. Commodities have been up tremendously over the past year, year and a half, whatever it's been. And gold and silver in 2021 have been nothing but weak, flat to down. So it's a fair question. I think there's a couple answers to that. Uh, one is um, 
when you look at the commodity complex, I don't include gold and silver in that. Now, silver does have some uh, a large industrial component, a growing industrial component. But for the most part, I, I do believe that the mainstream views gold and silver as monetary metals, not commodities. And so uh, do I need to buy monetary metals right now? I think that's what a lot of institutional investors are asking themselves. And I think the answer to that is no, they don't, they don't think they need to buy them right now, uh, partly because the stock market is still going up. Uh, so they're going to they're going to dance to that music as long as it keeps playing. Um, also, they believe the transitory uh, issue, right? They still believe inflation is transitory. So why do I need to buy monetary metals? Why do I need to buy gold and silver if inflation is only going to last for two or three months? And so as long as those factors are still in play, I don't see the institutional world, which is where the the big capital would come in and push gold and silver demand and thus prices a lot higher. I don't see them coming over until those things shift. Um, I think it's inevitable that they do. And I do think inflation will not be transitory. Um, but until they feel compelled to come over, until um, you know, they feel the need to buy a monetary metal for you know, monetary or financial reasons, they may not come back over into the gold and silver market. So I think that's one explanation of what may be going on. The second thing I wanna point out real quick is I was at the Silver Symposium. In my presentation, I showed how what is happening now has actually happened before with gold and silver. Uh, it happened in 2006, prices were completely flat, went nowhere uh, in the middle of what, what ended up being a clear bull market. And if someone had gotten discouraged and sold then, they would have missed out on some very big gains. But the real big comparison is from 1974 to 1976. If you look at the gold and silver prices then, they fell by over 40%, almost half, over a two-year period of time. And yet, what was going on at that time, Adam? We had high inflation, inflation that's higher than even now, high unemployment. We were in a recession. We had political concerns, geopolitical concerns. And probably one of the biggest catalysts at the time that gold analysts looked at was the fact that for the first time in over 40 years, you could buy gold again as a U.S. citizen. So a lot of gold analysts assumed that, well, that demand is going to, uh, that pent-up demand, now that it's legal, is going to push gold up and silver will probably follow it, right? And yet what happened? They did just the opposite. Not only were they not flat, they actually fell and fell dramatically and over a two-year period of time. Again, they were surrounded by catalysts just like now. <laughs> and what I think was happening then and what I think is happening now is that the prices are simply coiling. You know, the spring is getting tighter and tighter on gold and silver now, just like it was back in 1974, 1975, and 1976. And we all know what happened. You basically could add a zero to your silver investment back in, if you bought back in 1974 over what happened over the next uh, three and a half years. Um, so I, I think something similar is happening now. Um, uh, the spring on gold and silver is simply getting tighter because we're surrounded by simply too many catalysts that any one of which could ignite this market. And so I've just, you know, because I have that big picture view, I've been using this opportunity to actually just continue to accumulate uh, both gold and silver and the miners.
All right. Uh, well, great answer there. Yeah, and like you said, that, that list you rattled off back in the mid-70s there of concerns, um, rising inflation, uh, slowing economic growth, uh, geopolitical risk, uh, energy shocks. I mean, those are all pulled from today's headlines. You know, as you said, we, we have seen this movie before. Um, all right. And, and you answered my second question, which is, you know, did you see this as weakness in the metals or more of a consolidation, a coiling? And it seems very much like you, you, you see the latter. All right. I want to get onto the miners. Um, but right before I do, just one last question on this. And I'm going to ask probably more just for my mental health than anything else. But <laughs> you talked about how investors, particularly institutional investors, are not buying the precious metals for their monetary uh, uh, reasons at this point. But as I said in the intro, you know, the, the US alone has issued more than $10 trillion in stimulus, both monetary and fiscal over the past 18 months or so. The rest of the world has added several additional tens of trillions to that. Um, I think the average precious metals investor says, I'm buying it to protect against currency devaluation by excessive monetary printing. Like why are those big investors not seeing hey, this is the, the biggest increase we've ever had in global currency supply. So therefore, I should probably own some of these precious metals to protect against that. What, why are they not doing that right now? Well, I think uh, you and I and many others, probably most people watching, um, uh, see it and understand it and see you know, that at some point something, you know, some type of monetary crisis is probably going to happen because you can't, you, there is no free lunch. You can't be negligent to the extent that central bankers and politicians are today uh, and, and not have any type of fallout or consequences. Um, we had the same thing again back in the 1970s and eventually reality caught up to, you know, uh, what was going on at the time, the circumstances. So I think, you know, at some point um, this is this is going to happen for us. Um, in the immediate term, uh, uh, treasury yields have been spiking uh, and the U.S. dollar has been rising. Dollar's Those been two rising. things are, yeah. you know, inversely correlated to gold normally and silver. And so that that does partly explain what's happening, at least right now. Um, but again, it comes down to the fallout, you know, the real world effects of all those things that's going to drive the people that don't see what we see into this market, uh, in my view. Uh, and, and the demand will push prices higher. Um, again, I, I wish it didn't have to be a crisis, Adam, uh, but how do, how do we escape that at this point? I, I, I'm always trying to think, okay, what, you know, what assumption do I have that could be wrong? Um, uh, you know, I'm expecting a crisis and that gold and silver respond to that. Well, uh, how, do we, how does that not happen? And I, I haven't come up with a good answer yet. Which means I, I think my assumption is correct that at some point we're going to have a monetary event. Mike Maloney has spent a lot of time talking about this, and, and that will definitely impact gold and silver, just like it did back in the 1970s, just like it did in 2006, 2007. Um, you know, again, we've been here before, so I, I don't want people to get discouraged because we've seen this before it's happened before and i think the spring is just getting tighter and tighter and tighter uh, well good answer and you know um, i interview a lot of other experts on this program and um sadly or not you know the vast vast majority of them think like you that that the the crisis is sort of unavoidable at this stage and for those that haven't seen it highly recommend watching the video i just did 
last week with Luke Roman, where he basically lays out very empirically why the, the Fed and most other central banks and, and world major economies are now in a trap where their only choice is to continue inflating ever more from here, which of course leads to destruction of purchasing power of, of currency in the long run. Um, Jeff, I do wonder too, if it's not a factor in play here, <clears throat> at least on the institutional side is, um, you know, in the venture capital world, uh, you have lots and lots of stories about companies that were going out there pitching, raising, you know, trying to raise capital, and they keep getting turned down again and again and again. But then once one VC firm is willing to invest in them, all of a sudden, everybody wants to. You know, it's sort of this uh, darling at the dance kind of factor, which is once somebody <laughs> starts showing interest in you, then everybody, you know, suddenly right. doesn't want to miss out, right? Um, and you know, there's a there's an old saying in uh, in, in uh, you know advertising. This is back in the old days. Um, I, I used to uh, work for Yahoo, and we'd be trying to convince you know advertisers to buy digital media, and they would say, "Well, look, I can always just buy an ad in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times." That's the safe thing for me to do. Nobody's ever gotten fired doing that. Why should I take a risk on this new, you know, whole internet thing, right? Uh, of course, time has proven out. Um, and I wonder if there's not a little bit of that here where you talked about, you know, these folks are used to investing in stocks. The party in stocks is still going on. The old Chuck Prince, you get a dance while the music's still playing. Um, nobody got fired yet for buying Tesla, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that maybe what's going on is they're just going with what works until it doesn't anymore. And of course, you and I and many, many of our previous guests in this program have enumerated all the different reasons why, you know, this party is, is probably overextended and likely to, to end pretty painfully when it does, and, and who knows, maybe relatively soon. And maybe that will be the stimulus, that will be the spark that gets people realizing, okay, you know what, you know, what was working isn't anymore, where's true value, where's true safety, and, and maybe that's going to be what sparks all this. Well, uh, let me respond to that by telling you a quick story. So I was at a conference pre-COVID. In fact, it was the just the month before COVID hit real bad in, in the U.S. It was the last conference I was at till recently. And one of the dinners, I got to go uh, out with a company with a bunch of hedge fund guys. And while they see they were at a gold and silver conference, they were a precious metals conference, right? Um, so they, they get the idea of of gold and silver and holding it, they even acknowledged to me that uh, the system is unsustainable. It can't last forever. Um, but one of them actually quoted that line to me, you know, we have to, you know, dance while the music's playing, meaning they have to go with Apple and Tesla and all these others that are rising and gold and silver are doing nothing. Um, it's too bad at that, by the way, that they didn't because they would have had a, a nice big run if they'd bought back in January of of 2020, there yeah. was a big sell-off, but then there was a huge rebound, huge run. Um, but anyway, that was their mentality. And Adam, the more of them I talked to, uh, and this was multiple guys over several days, and uh, the more I realized that, wow, they all think the same thing. Um, they see the case for gold and silver, but they have to be in the stock market because even a hedge fund, they're filing quarterly returns, quarterly reports, right? Just like a, a company, they have to show performance. They have to show that they're doing well, right? And so they're going to go where the money can be made at that time, you know? Uh, but what really struck me was how scary the exit could be. Uh, they're all 
in, into the stock market. They really are. And that hasn't really changed all that much as evidenced by the stock market continuing to rise, right? Uh, they're all there. It's, it really is a movie theater. Every seat is taken and the exit door is one little door off to the side and they're all going to try to get out that door at the same time. That's, that's what concerns me is that it, it won't be a normal correction in the stock market, that it could be just another outright crash. Um, and if it is a crash, if it's, a, if it's just a waterfall sell-off, gold and silver would be impacted in that because it becomes a liquidity event then and they you know, sell whatever they can sell or the brokers do it for them. They automatically sell assets to cover you know, losing ones, which could be gold and silver. So if it is a waterfall crash, I'm a little concerned that gold and silver would fall as well. But just like in, uh, was it October of 2008 or March of 2020, um, those events um, are, are quick and abrupt for gold and silver typically. And that would be uh, perhaps, uh, you know, last train out. So uh, we'll see. But um, I, I, I would rather see a correction than a crash. But I fear the crash. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got it. Well, two things. One, um, great story. And as you're as you're telling it, I'm going to put a little GIF up that I tweet out from time to time, which is basically showing a crowd of people trying to get through a small yes. exit. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, and then secondly, you uh, you you mentioned you addressed a common question people have, which is, hey, if if the markets fall. Um, will gold and silver, you know, fall along with the markets? And uh, I'll just sort of reiterate what I believe the consensus of the folks I've talked to, including you, it sounds like, is, hey, in, in, in an abrupt market sell-off, gosh, pretty much everything is going to go down. Um, and one big factor in that is, is in the immediate part of a market sell-off, people who have been very long in the market and, and trading on margin, which is essentially kind of a way to, to, to buy stocks without putting up the full money up front, um, you start getting what are called margin calls, where right. um, your brokers are saying, hey, you're now dangerously underwater in your position. We need you to add more to it um, in order to I, keep I just you in this saw, position. Yeah, I just, uh, sorry to interrupt you, Adam. I just saw a stat this morning about margin debt being at record highs uh, in brokerage accounts. It's absolutely uh, I true. Also, yeah. Um, and I also saw a stat, uh, I think a week or two ago, that retail investment in the stock market is at its highest level as well. So uh, you couple all that with you know institutional investment, everyone crowded into that trade simply because it's going up. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do hope it's just a, a correction, uh, but I will tell you if it's a crash and there's a liquidity event and gold and silver sell off, I will be turning over your couch cushions to look for change to buy more gold and silver. So. <laughs> okay. Well, you're welcome to whatever you find there. It may not be much, <laughs> but you're welcome to it. Um, yeah, no, you, and you're right about the, the margin debt and consumer debt. And, um, you know, ex, uh, record margin debt or extreme margin debt is a classic hallmark of a late stage bull market cycle, right? That's when everybody has just sort of thrown caution to the wind and they're just borrowing as much as they can to, to, to buy securities. Um, so last point on this is when those margin calls are going on, uh, you know, if, if you don't have the additional money to pony up uh, to meet the margin call, which a lot of people don't, um, your uh, broker will then just sell your position. And so what that does is it creates this vicious cycle where sell, you know, drops in price, be get more drops in price by all the forced selling. So things go down real quick. So what happens there is anything that retains its value 
get sold to meet those margin calls. And that oftentimes is what causes the initial gold uh, sell-off in gold and silver. As you've said, and we've seen that happen in the past, it has been short-lived. And many times that is sort of the last train out of the station for folks that want to get on the gold-silver bandwagon, generally before it, it tends to perform much better after that. Now, some people say, hey, Jeff, should I just wait for that moment before buying any you know, positions in precious metals? Um, personally, I think that it's too hard to time. Um, and in mo like, like most assets that you are investing in because you think they're going to get repriced, um, the action tends to happen much faster than you can react to in real time. And so it's just better to be building your position beforehand to be positioned beforehand. Any, yeah, any quick been, thoughts on that? Yeah, I've been down that road before when I was a novice gold and silver investor. And uh, this was the question I was always asking myself. And this is the dilemma that every investor who waits is going to face. Okay, do I buy now? Oh, oh, wait, do I buy now? Oh, do I buy now? Oh, what about now? Do I wait? That, that's the question that's going to go through your mind all the time. And so, <clears throat> pardon me, because I see gold and silver as money, uh, I think if you see them as money and not just an investment, um, that kind of answers part of the question for you. Uh, just accumulate them on weakness. Just continue to buy weakness. That's, that's the strategy I've taken. And on big sell-offs, I, I tend to uh, you know, buy even more. So that that's I'm accumulating for the big picture. What I see taking place over the next two, three, four years, however long it it plays out. So um, so that that's how I handle it. Um, one more point I would I, I would make, Adam, is that if gold and silver, uh, if there's not a crash in the stock markets and it's merely a correction, consider the fact that gold and silver are already down. They've already fallen. They're down, both down over 20%. So if there's not a crash in the stock market, it's merely a correction, the value is clearly going to be seen in gold and silver, and they may not correct anymore. They already have. They could, they could turn and begin to rise again. So that's another scenario that could play out. We don't know exactly how it's going to play out, right? But if that scenario plays out, you may not you may not get another buying opportunity. You may have to buy when when they're rising, and by the way, you might have to pay a higher premium then as well because uh, as demand goes up, premiums predictably also rise. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was just about to, and and by the way, I do want to get to the mining questions because that was, that was <laughs> the main reason why I pulled you on today. But you're just giving such great material beforehand here. Um, but yes, uh, when demand increases in the precious metals market, which it, it does do, um, you have two factors that come into play quite quickly. You have the premiums that if you're if you're trying to buy the the bullion directly, gold and silver itself, the premium above spot price that you have to pay goes up when demand goes up. Um, secondly, supply can become an issue. And we saw this last year when people were freaking out during the very brief market correction we had back in, but sharp market correction we had back in, in March and April last year. Uh, inventory amongst the precious metals industry pretty much dried up. Um, and you couldn't, you couldn't actually buy any physical bullion and get it in your hands quickly. You had to basically trust uh, the provider that you were buying it from might be able to give it to you within weeks, in some cases, even months. So it introduces a whole bunch of counterparty risk. And anyways, on those two points, Mike Maloney, who we've mentioned a couple of times already, he's you know, famous for saying, look, if, if really the big event hits where you know, money really rushes into the space, he said, you know, gold and silver might become unaffordium and unobtainium, right? Where the price is just so high, you, you either can't, can't afford it 
uh, and or you just can't find any to buy. So I know there's a lot more to talk about that, but let's save that for additional videos. Um, let's let's get to the miners because there were there were several charts I saw recently that I really wanted to walk through with an expert like you. Um, I'll, I'll put them up here, and they're from the um, excellent uh, annual In Gold We Trust report from uh, Incrementum. Um, the first chart here shows that gold miners haven't been this profitable in decades. Uh, they are spitting off more free cash flow than ever. Now, let's contrast this with this next chart, which shows that these miners are trading near their 35-year lows when valued relative to the general stock market. And if you're looking at the y-axis there, folks, note this is a log chart here. Uh, meaning that that it increases exponentially as you go up and down, uh, you, as you go up the chart, and, and exponentially decreases as you go down. Um, uh, and and uh, so this is showing that uh, you know relative, certainly relative to its all-time high in this this chart. I mean, it, it's it's almost ten times. In fact, it looks like it's more than ten times lower than that. It's almost approaching maybe twenty times lower than its all-time high. Uh, and they're not just the miners aren't just uh, undervalued relative to stocks. They're also uh, undervalued relative to gold itself, which this chart shows. Um, so uh, I guess, Jeff, why are, <laughs> it, it seems like it's a great error for miners, right? Gold, while it's down 20% for the year, um, is, is up dramatically from where it's been you know, 10 years ago. Um, the companies are extremely profitable, um, more profitable than they've been, you know, at least in the past 30 plus years. Um, and, uh, you know, yet they seem to be trading like nobody wants them. Oh, what's going on here? Uh, well, like we said with gold and silver, I don't think the institutional investor is coming into uh, the sector yet. So if they don't feel a need to buy gold and silver, they probably don't feel a need to buy gold and silver mining equities. And so even though there is a lot of green on the screen, and I believe in that concept of green on the screen, you know, at some point when this does shift, uh, you know, institutional advisors, those traders sitting with, you know, in New York with seven screens in front of them, they're going to see over here a lot of green and earnings with miners, and it's going to catch fire. Um, but again, I don't, I think it's kind of the concept of, well, uh, how do I know if, if gold and silver miners, if the mining stocks are going to rise? Well, you watch the gold and silver price to see if they're going to rise. Gold and silver have been falling. So it's, it's not entirely surprising um, that they're uh, uh, falling as well. So, uh, but again, I think it comes down to a shift. Um, and many people I've talked to in the industry have told me the same thing. John Hathaway at Sprott, Rick Rule, who used to be with Sprott, many individuals, I don't want to try to name them all, but they've all said basically the same thing. You know, when this thing shifts and they come into the sector, we're going to see an explosion. So we, we do need to see the shift into gold and silver first. And I do believe, as history has shown, the mining stocks will follow. Gosh, all right. I mean, it just, again, it, it just boggles my mind. I understand the logic of what you're saying, but at the end of the day, you know, investors are motivated by, you know, the long-term prospects of return. Yeah. In a company yes. which include earnings, which a lot of high price stocks, they don't have any earnings, right? Um, so here you have an industry that is, is kicking off earnings. The larger companies are paying nice dividends. Um, it has all of the 
kind of hallmarks for higher gold prices, precious metals prices at some point in the future, given what you said earlier from what we've seen from previous periods that are similar to now. Um, and they're cheap. <laughs> they're trading at really like reasonable, um, like, like they're, you know, they're like not, 1980, you know, PE ratios right. where yeah, everything else not, in the market. They're not is, cheap. They're dirt cheap. They dirt really cheap, are. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and again, that's value, right? Where, where are you going to go out and find value right now? Is it in the broad stock market? Well, by any measure, the broad stock market is overvalued. Is it real estate? Is it Bitcoin? Is it whatever? A lot of these things have had huge run-ups. And uh, uh, the only value that's really left out there is gold and silver, and especially the mining equities. Like you said, they're, they're undervalued no matter how you compare them to the broad stock markets, to gold and silver themselves, to, to their own indices, right? They're, they're undervalued. So that, that's the value. But again, I, I come back to this idea that uh, the people I, I've talked to, the hedge fund guys, they're, they're just not interested. Um, I, I don't see them getting interested until gold and silver shift and they begin to shift some of that capital back over to this market. And if you're buying now and you're willing to wait until that shift takes place, the returns on the miners could be could be tremendous. So I, I, I do think that's you know in the cards uh, because this can't last forever. So uh, I, I have been, you know, for what it's worth, I have been personally buying gold and silver miners uh, this summer and recently accumulating more on the on the dip. So uh, that's been my strategy. But again, it's because I believe in the big picture. Yeah, well, I'm really glad you interjected uh, to emphasize the dirt cheapness uh, of these stocks. That's really, <laughs> I think, the theme of this video and why I wanted to record it, which is, you know, folks watching these videos are trying to figure out what to do with their investment capital. And one of the challenges they have about you know, potentially remaining long this market is if you look at the relative valuations of practically everything else, you know, you can make a really good argument that it is way overpriced. And that's, that's, you know, certainly from the high flying, you know, FANG stocks, but to really almost every sector that's out there and certainly things like Bitcoin and whatnot, and a lot of the cryptos, you know, you can have a, a fundamental discussion about, you know, where that sector is going. But when you talk about what's fair value today and you look at the price run ups and Bitcoin itself has just gone from, you know, high 30s to 50 in the span of a you know, week or two here. Um, Let me interject one more point. If I could interrupt yeah. you again, I'm sorry if I'm being rude. No, yeah. there, there's Love something it. I want to point out and I pointed this out in my presentation at the Silver Symposium, I was comparing the size of these markets to the Wilshire 5000, because uh, that's probably the broadest measure of stocks, that's probably fair to say. Um, and I started asking the question, okay, what if just some of this capital starts coming over into the gold and silver markets? And just by way of comparison, 1% uh, of the market cap of the Wilshire is 61 times bigger than the entire silver, primary silver mining industry. So it's not going to take, now part of that is a reflection of just how overvalued the stock market is, right? But again, the idea is that just a little bit of that capital uh, could easily overwhelm the gold and silver equity market. And I think that's probably what's going to happen. So interject anytime, Jeff, because when you do, you're adding a great element to the discussion. Um, and, and this is really going right to the, the small door, you know, big audience, small door factor we were just talking about earlier. 
Um, I, I was interviewing um, Sprott CEO um, uh, John Champarella, uh, sorry, Ch Champaglia, uh, the other day about uh, uranium. But we had a little side conversation about uh, the silver market, and he basically said the exact same thing, uh, and really just sort of mystified that um, uh, it is uh, as sort of ignored right now, given its fundamentals and how we were talking about how literally, you know, a billionaire or a company with a big strong balance sheet could come in and basically take up all of the available supply of above ground silver itself. Um, and so these are extremely small markets relative to this, this, the huge ocean of just capital that's sloshing around in all of these other financial assets. Um, and yeah, to your point, uh, Jeff, uh, you know, when the world catches on to what a good deal they are, some of that capital should flow in and a little will make a big difference, which is what you're saying. But imagine if we get that sort of crash or severe correction where, you know, today's high flyers are, are getting hit hard and maybe getting margin calls and whatnot. And people are asking themselves, where is safe haven for my money? Mm -hmm. uh, and they start looking at the, the relative valuation of these companies, the relative bargains, the dirt cheapness of them. Um, I mean, we could just see staggering returns and, and, and we're going to talk about a couple individual stock picks that you, you had uh, in a moment, but, um, but I just sort of broad brush industry sector. Um, what do you think is the potential for the sector here? Is, is it adding a zero? Is it a three times, five times? Like um, what's the potential here for, if you think the world woke up and yes, yeah, some of that, that capital sloshed in from these, you know, I mean, we were just talking the Wilshire 5000, you didn't even talk about the, the bond market, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is right. even bigger and has even worse prospects. Right. Um, so like, what do you think could happen if things play out the way that you think they should? Well, you've mentioned a crash, you know, and that gold and silver and mining equities, everything goes down in the crash, right? Well, in October- yeah, briefly, of, probably. Right, right. That, that's one scenario, right? So if that does happen, uh, we can look at the past and see what's happened before. In October 2008, everything crashed. If you bought on Halloween, <laughs> kind of ironic, but if you bought on Halloween of 2008 uh, and you just bought a whole bunch of juniors or you just bought the index, GDXJ, the Junior Miners Index, in a month, it doubled. And so the message here is going to be if we do see a crash, and the values of gold, silver, and the miners do go down, um, I, 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 I will be buying. I, I will load up. I, I will find more cash somehow to average down on them or whatever, because the bounce could be tremendous. Um, we saw that back um, in the 70s. We saw it in 2008. We saw it in 2020. Um, you know, I, my mining portfolio went up 4x in 2020 uh, by August. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just want to say, I want that message out there that if we do see a crash, don't panic, look at the opportunity that's there, if you're someone who believes in the big picture. But generally speaking, you know, given how undervalued gold and silver are, um, you know, it would not be surprising to see silver double and, uh, excuse me, gold to double and silver to triple. And then the miners, of course, to do a multiple of that, the producers to do something like you know, two, three, four X and the juniors three, four, five X. And, and some of them will do much more than that. So um, that would be uh, in line with history. That would be uh, an expectation that would be reasonable 
to assume based on historical patterns. So uh, there's no guarantees. We don't know what the future is going to bring. So you have to invest accordingly, uh, knowing that there are no guarantees that this happens. But that would be common. That would be in line with history because we've seen that kind of price action in both the metals and the miners uh, before. All right, and and to your um, invest accordingly, um, you know, a common question we get here after videos like this is, all right, well, if I'm interested in potentially investing in the mining companies, how do I go about doing that? Um, Jeff has recorded uh, a video that, that we've mentioned several times in this program in the past. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, go watch it. You can watch it for free. It's an excellent presentation where he sort of describes his framework for investing in the mining companies, and then he gives uh, his, uh, you know, I think it was like your top 20 picks basically across the industry in terms of developers, explorers, producers, both in gold and in silver. I think it throws some uranium miners in there too. Um, and Jeff, that was recorded a couple of months ago, but I, I think prices have only come down, you know, in aggregate for most of those companies. I'm assuming you still like those companies. You just think they're even yeah. better values at this point? Yes. Nothing's changed in that presentation. I did review it real quick before we came on the air here. Um, and nothing's really changed. The, the thesis is still the same and the prices are better. So if you're buying now, you could actually get some better prices than I got. So um, I still like all those companies. Nothing's really changed with them. Nothing's changed with them uh, because those are fundamentally sound, strong companies. Uh, some of the explorers, not every single one may be successful, but if you're buying a batch, if you take a Lay's potato chip approach and don't buy just one, um, I think that's a very good selection of stocks. It's my portfolio and it's the best ones that, that I own. I even highlighted, believe, some of the best buys right now. Um, uh, so I still own all those. I still think they're great buys. All right, great. So if you want to watch that video, folks, just go to Wealthion.com slash miners and uh, you can watch it for free there. Um, all right. So, Jeff, let's uh, quickly get uh, whatever valuable insights that you took away from the uh, Silver Symposium last week. Um, I did not get a chance to go. I've actually been waiting for you to return. So I'm super excited to hear what you have to say. I don't think anyone there, any speaker there really uh, thinks the silver thesis is over. Uh, no one thought that. There were some, uh, a, a couple speakers that felt like the uh, correlation coefficient between gold and silver, in other words, them, how often they move together, how frequently they move together, they were seeing some breakdown in that relationship. Um, you know, in my view, that's more of a, a long-term uh, view. Uh, even if there is a breakdown, uh, I'm not sure that, you know, there is. Uh, but even if there is, this is a long-term thing that would play out after the next cycle, um, meaning that silver may not follow gold. Uh, but again, there's going to be, but even those speakers acknowledge there's probably going to be uh, not just another spike in the silver price, but probably a new all-time high. And I think that is one of the main uh, uh, messages that I got from the conference is there, there aren't a lot of scenarios out there with all the catalysts surrounding us that say silver's not gonna make a new all-time high. Again, there's no guarantee of that, but everything that we are all looking at suggests that silver is uh, going to make a new all-time high in the next run. And I detail why and how high that could be in that video. So, so it could be fun. So I encourage people to hold on. 
All right, great. Hey, and a question that came up, I forgot to ask earlier, but it's Jermaine here. Um, you know, we talked a lot about the recent inflation um, that's been going on. Uh, how impactful is that to the precious metals mining industry? In other words, as energy costs go up and perhaps labor costs go up, are those material factors that really eat into their profitability? Uh, yeah, their costs will go up if inflation is not transitory, <laughs> but they're seeing higher costs, the obvious one being oil, right? They all use, or most of them use oil to, you know, for their operations. So they're seeing some higher costs, but the industry average is still low. Um, the interesting thing about that is, is do prices move higher, gold and silver prices move higher, uh, or do costs move higher? And the answer is, Costs tend to be a slower moving rise while prices can be a spike and rise, right? So even with inflation, you could see a scenario where margins are actually increasing even while inflationary costs are rising for the miners uh, once silver, gold and silver go in the next run. So they can move a lot faster uh, than inflationary costs. So it's possible that the margins you referenced earlier to gold and silver could actually expand as we go forward. So we'll see, uh, but could be an exciting time. Wow, yeah, yeah, it just seems the further I dig into the questions with you, the brighter the outlook looks for these battles. Um, all right, Jeff, well, look, um, if folks wanna learn more about you and your work, um, well, I know you're very active on Twitter, so maybe we should talk about that, but where's the best place for them to go? And if it is Twitter, let them know what your handle is and, and what you do there. Well, I, you know, write exclusive commentary for goldsilver.com. You know, I, I love working with Mike Maloney. He's such an authentic, real person. I really enjoy working with him. Um, and so my commentary does exclusively show up there and then it gets distributed to other outlets. So, but all of our research, including Mike's videos and everything we do there is at goldsilver.com. If you sign up for the newsletter, you actually get the, uh, you know, all of our research before we release it to the public. Uh, yes, I, I am on Twitter. Um, it's sort of a love-hate relationship, but, but I am active on Twitter. Um, and my agreement when I got on was I would share my personal pics. So if anyone's interested, I do disclose what I buy and sell. Uh, primarily focused on buying. Um, uh, sometimes when I've announced I'm selling something, it, it tends to upset someone. So I've kind of pulled back from that. So it's mostly what I'm purchasing and why. Uh, but if you're interested, I, I do disclose what I personally buy there. It's at The Gold Advisor uh, on Twitter. Great. And, and for folks watching, um, you know, the, well, recommendation that we've made many times on this channel because lots of people smarter and more experienced than us in the precious metal space make this which is if you're going to invest in individual mining companies you, know, you can buy some of the industry etfs the gdx's the gdxj's etc uh, if you want general exposure uh, to to this sector you want to capture the beta of the sector as it's called but if you want to try to get the alpha, which is the outperformance that an individual company can make above and beyond the sector itself, um, there are a lot of companies out there. Uh, you know, it's it's it takes a lot of time to really understand what makes one differentiated from another, and if you don't have much experience in the space, it's really hard to determine uh, the prospects of one versus another. Um, and so, the strong recommendation is to follow an expert 
who follows this industry and has done so for a long time. They've got a, de a demonstrated expertise, a demonstrated track record. They've got a brand to protect. They have industry relationships. These are guys that can talk to manage that do talk to management frequently, have gone out and visited the actual mines themselves. So there are several, um, you know, gold and silver newsletters, uh, mining newsletters that you can subscribe to. Jeff's Twitter feed is is kind of like a free newsletter um, where you've got this expert here who is sharing his picks with you. So anyways, uh, just, just keep in mind, though, that I do uh, tend to speculate a lot. I don't own a lot of producers, for example. Uh, so I do tend to speculate. So my strategy may be different than someone and someone should really use Twitter just as a as an idea forum, you know, an idea that they can then take and go conduct their own due diligence on. Uh, but yeah, what a great time to to be educating oneself uh, on gold and silver and the miners, especially right now, Adam, because if we're right about what's ahead, uh, that education could really serve someone well uh, over the next few years. All right, well, very well said. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the video, um, we also have a bonus gift from Jeff. So he and I just sat down and uh, he gave me a quick summary of uh, two of the uh, precious metals mining companies right now that have his particular interest right now as being really deep value opportunities in the space. And if you wanna watch that, you can watch it for free right now simply by going to wealthion.com slash Jeff. All right. And with that, um, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. It's always wonderful to have you here on the program. I have a strong instinct that the precious metal space in general, but the mining space in particular is going to give us a lot to talk about in the coming months. So I hope I can invite you back on again. And uh, for folks watching, um, if you want to support this channel, see great guests like Jeff again in the future, please just hit the like button and then click the red subscribe button below if you haven't already, as well as that little bell icon right next to it. Small step on your behalf, but really does make a big difference for us in getting this content out there into the world. Jeff, again, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was great, Adam. We'll do it again. Uh, and who knows, by then, maybe gold and silver will be having happier days. All right. Well, from your lips to God's ears, buddy. Thanks so much. <laughs>